I don't know if I can do this. Nothing to it. You sell a few bonds, bonds buy bullets, bullets kill Nazis. Bing, bang, boom. You're an American hero. It's just not how I picture getting there. The senator's got a lot of pull up on the hill. If you play ball with us, you'll be leading your own platoon in no time. can storm a beach or drive a tank, but there's still a way all of us can fight. Who wants to fight like the man for what's right by Series E defense bonds. Each one you buy is a bullet in the barrel of your best guy's gun. Who will campaign door to door for America? Carry the flag shore to shore for America. From Hoboken to world outside your window is still not great, but here on Poster Recaps, everything is super, because this is the podcast dedicated to all things superheroic, presently focused on the Marvel Cinematic Universe with our MCU rewatch, and we are about to, to, to talk about a character that we are so excited to talk about here. You can tell because the music is upbeat and everything's happy and great. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin Cap. Cats America! Heck yeah! <laughs> I appreciate you uh, not dropping another hard f bomb uh, this week, so that it's safe. I gotta save saves those me a little for, work on the edit. Uh, I gotta save those for when it's important. I do a, like a pre-edit for you, Stevie. I did you a solid because Kevin dropped three f bombs in a row last week. I was like, Kevin, well deserved. Oh, making my <laughs> well, day a little bit longer. Uh, but America, f yeah, as Steve Rogers. Enters the building here in our MCU rewatch here, and everything is super. Uh, this is the podcast where we're doing, we're, we're scrolling through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the MCU rewatch, and we are now, what is this, uh, four movies deep? Four movies deep at I this think, point? Five yeah, I think movies. This is, this is movie five, right? Five. Iron this is Man, five. We did Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor. This is the fifth movie. People love it when we know those details like the back of our hand. Here we are at movie number five <laughs> in phase one, the last movie before the Avengers, and you gotta get. The final Avenger on the board, even if he is the first Avenger. This is Captain America, the first Avenger. I think widely considered the weakest of the Captain America trilogy. And if that's the case, this really is just the best series of movies within the MCU short of the Avengers films. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Like, just... For me, just watching this movie already, I was just what like, a joy! Well, the best, yeah, it's the best out of the bunch. I was um, uh, I was texting with Brendan Fitzpatrick, who uh, is uh, the man who handles the Post Show Recaps Twitter account, great friend of mine, fierce words with friends opponent, uh, and we were texting back and forth about what an utter joy this movie was to watch. Uh, obviously, a lot going on that's very serious and heavy. Hey, there's Nazis in here. That's not nothing. Uh, like it's a, it's a very intense movie in a lot of ways. It's a war movie, but it also feels like. It's an adventure movie. It's got sort of like that Indiana Jones spirit to it. It is, you know, not for nothing. It's directed by Joe Johnston, uh, you know, yes, of, of yes, the Rocketeer yes, fame. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's it's got great pedigree behind it. And it just, I don't know, there's something about the first Avenger that just feels like very classic to me and feels like it's this movie that has like not a single moment wasted. I think I love, uh, I think I love this movie. I, 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 I love this movie. I, I mean, there's, a lot i really love like obviously it's it's not perfect we'll say it's that anything. so in case anyone's yeah if anyone's yelling at us already it's not perfect but i love this movie and i think you know you you hit two things like first off 
uh, it's not only Indiana Jones S, they reference Indiana Jones in this movie. I think pretty directly with the, the, you know, Hitler digging for trinkets in the desert is clearly Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And not only that, like you call out Joe Johnson and I, I mean, at the top of the podcast, we got to give a shout out here. Cause yes, he did. Um, I gotta say, yes, he did the Rocketeer, which I, I love dearly, but he also did Jumanji and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I feel like those movies are so also defining for people of our generation um, and not only that, he did, uh, he did work I, on Indiana Jones too. I mean, he won an Academy Award for Indiana Jones for oh, that's for right best for his like because he's special. Yeah, 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 he's a special effects uh, guy, you know, and rightfully so. Look at the effects in this movie. I, I'm, I love that. Oh my god, he, you know, like, he he's been involved in a lot of uh, a lot of really classic material. Willow, uh, he was involved in. He was involved in some Star Wars and Return of the Jedi. Uh, so Joe Johnston is is you know a legend. Uh, and they get yes. a legend to direct Captain America, and who is a legend, and he crushes it. He absolutely crushes he does. it. I know, like it's so much easier to be like the Russo brothers come in, they redefine Captain America, they go on to be like the new shepherds of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and like that's not wrong, and that's not you know to take away anything from them. But I think like it's just very easy to be like, well, the first Captain America movie is fine, and then it's the next two that are the real blockbusters. I think the first one is also a blockbuster. It's very different, but it's very, very good. It's great, and it's also... I don't think they necessarily come in to redefine Captain America. I think the key part is, like, honestly, this movie and Joe Johnson uh, and everyone involved defined who Captain America is in this movie. Like, the, the Russo brothers wouldn't have the cap, and we wouldn't have the cap we know and love if not for this film. He's Because, like, ultimately, he's the same dude all the way throughout and i think that's key what they do is i think put him in a modern context and put this guy from this time period in a modern day thing and that kind of works right like the russos are a little more uh modern storytellers they you know that they, they have like uh the, that insight into that st- stuff and joe johnson i love his stuff but a lot of his movies that do really well are also in a galaxy far away or in some sort of like past context i mean jumanji have it takes place in you know the uh the 19 19- 50s when was alan parish life uh, yeah. you know uh but yeah it's 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 you cannot disregard this film and how great it is and how important it was for the future and i think you're right it is a blockbuster it is fantastic it's it's captain america i mean what a character he's a character people would have been like ah no one's gonna like cap and people love cap and rightfully so um and it's a lot because of this movie uh, I'm gushing like crazy, which is nuts because I'm not used to doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, you usually I'm so embittered. So to... You know, you come in yeah. with a dark heart. Yes, and like, the, but this is what this movie does. It kind of brings a, a lot of. Uh, that's what he does as a character, I think, and and what Chris Evans brought to that role. Um, but I gotta, we gotta give a shout out though uh, to Joe Johnson specifically, Josh, because there is a connection from Joe Johnson and our favorite hangout spot in los angeles oh yeah uh in that um the idol hour which is one of our favorite bars oh yeah in, in north hollywood modeled. it looks like a, a, an a, an oak barrel from the outside yes. it's a very unique structure on the corner of uh vineland and camarillo and lancashire yeah sure and a big uh, the connection there. intersection over there yeah, it's just right in the center yes. of it, which is already a hell it's of a hell an intersection. Zone. It's really terrible. It is. There. It's a bad intersection, but it's a great bar. Um, but the connection there is that it's it's a bar that's themed to be kind of old school in the 1930s, but specifically the Bulldog um, Cafe, which is in the Rocketeer, they have a model of it in the backyard that you can go and drink in uh, in that bar. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, 
it's great. Uh, I, yeah, I think that every time you've been here, we've never been to the back. So next time you show up, I've got to take you All right, you back so in there. seven years, um, we'll, we'll, yes, right? we'll get back uh, there. Uh, that's cool. But i got to give that shout All out. Right, nice. Uh, so yeah. Nice. Uh, you and I care about that. I wonder who else. Uh, <laughs> sound <laughs> off if that's exciting to you. Um, all right, so let's talk about this because we're getting Captain America on the board, and he's not the very first Marvel superhero of all time. I think Sub uh, Submariner gets the credit for that, right? Namor is the the one who's often credited as the original Marvel Comics character. I may be getting that wrong. I know Cap uh, debuts in uh, 1941. Um, so he is damn close because then it's like Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and X-Men are early 60s. Uh, so, yes. so Cap is on the board for several decades. Uh, you know, I guess two decades. Two is several. That's a lot of decades. Yeah. Two de- you know, one decade it's, it's a couple. Is, a, is a good amount of time. Uh, yeah. They got to get this character on the board. He is synonymous with the Avengers. He's the leader of the Avengers in the comics. Um, but like, who is going to be stoked about... Captain America is a superhero leading a movie. Uh, America is already divisive enough within America. How about the optics of like trying to sell Captain America to the world at large in international film markets? Is this going to land? This is a hard job. And this is something we've been talking about here in the MCU rewatch is that we're in this stretch right now of Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger and the first Avengers movie. And which of those three movies has the hardest job? Is it, creating and believably establishing that like Norse gods are aliens in the MCU and they can coexist with Tony Stark? Is it combining all of these superheroes together in a single movie? Or is it the one in the middle where you're taking the star-spangled super soldier and making him not just a palatable character and not just a character like that you have to establish so that all of this will work, but making him a character that you really love and and fall in love with even though he is fairly vanilla even if he's red white and blue right he's the boy scout he's like just the 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 good old guy um he's not necessarily the best soldier but a good man is who he needs to be fundamentally and there's a lot of work that needs to go into making all of that succeed for a greater film audience and from a financial perspective it succeeds uh captain america the first avenger it shoots on a 140 million dollar budget it makes 176 million roughly in the United States for a 370 million uh, gross worldwide. Those are good numbers. They're not like the huge numbers that uh, Marvel puts out after uh, movies like this and starting with the Avengers, but it's still really, really solid. Um, I think creatively, there's no question that it's a, it's a success, and there's a lot of questions about that too. In the run up to this movie, who's going to play Captain America? That's such a hard character to pull off. A lot of casting stories. Once again, our friend Torby Frazier with the with the T, who who rounds up a lot of these people who were the Captain Americas who almost were. Once again, I was reporting on a lot of this stuff from the front lines over at MTV Splash Page. Once upon a time, and some of the people who were in the running for this, Ryan Philippe could have been Captain America, maybe. Uh, Mike Vogel. Do you know who a Mike Vogel is? I do not. I believe he was the lead in Cloverfield. Oh, Pretty sure. Okay, the the person we don't see because they're all. Oh no, he he. T.J. Miller was behind the camera. T.J. Miller's mind. behind the ca- uh, the camera in Cloverfield. Garrett Headland of <laughs> Tron Legacy. I think he was also Captain Hook in that Hugh Jackman Peter Pan movie. Uh, Ugh, Garrett Headland. So at least he got movie. a captain. Channing Tatum. Nah, I love Channing Tatum, but I don't know if that would have been good. 
physically he's there you might as well have just put in john cena as an option like i feel like the physicalness is there but you needed more than that than just like well he looks like the superhero apparently uh um, decaps uh dicaprio leo dicaprio could have been decapped in america that was a rumor can you imagine a shredded leonardo dicaprio i love it my wife would have been <laughs> my wife regularly tells me it's our 14th anniversary uh today uh as we are recording this uh and on our 14th anniversary uh i shall tell you that she regularly tells me that the only man she'll leave me for is leonardo dicaprio so uh i have to temper my levels of success kevin i can't get too successful that I find myself in the same circles as Leonardo DiCaprio. Because that could be bad. Just go after him as if you were a bear in The Revenant. (laughs) There you go. But doesn't he ultimately (laughs) get one over on the bear? I don't know. I've never watched that movie. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, John Krasinski was in the running for Captain America to the point that like, he was there. He was the guy. It was going to be Krasinski. It was being reported as it was locked and loaded. And then something happened, and once that fell through, everyone was kind of like, well, what's going to happen now? Like, I remember that, like, the casting rush for Cap was, like, a very big deal because, like, they, they cast a virtual unknown for Thor. You were kind of, like, just sort of waiting on the edge of your seat. Is that going to work? And then comes the news that it's Chris Evans. Chris Evans is going to be Captain America. And a lot of the instincts uh, to the people who knew who Chris Evans was at that time was like, Wait, the guy from Not Another Teen Movie? Wait a minute. The Human Torch? The Fantastic Four guy is going to be Captain America? Wait, how could they do that? He was already a Marvel hero. He can't be another Marvel hero. We were still living in the time where those were like the kinds of takes we had, where it was like scandalous that Ryan Reynolds could be both Deadpool and Green Lantern, uh, that it was scandalous that Chris Evans could be both Human Torch and Captain America. And Human Torch is a character that lends to Chris Evans' sensibilities a little more obviously. He's a prankster. He's a jokester. He's a, you know, he leans more towards comedy. Uh, is sort of the impression of that guy, um, but that's not the case. He's able to. Yeah, for, he's able to do it. He's able to. He's able to play the straight man. First off, uh, when you say we do not include me in that metrics, sir, uh, I was well. First of all, I, I, I had heard John Krasinski, and um, I was I was interested in that. I'm curious about that that alternate reality right now where Krasinski ended up being cat. I don't love it. Um, I don't but, think it's as good. I I don't think it's a, it would be as good. I mean, I'd love to see him as Reed Richards. Uh, but I, when Chris Evans was announced, I was actually super hyped. And you're right. I was like the guy from the 19 movie, which I love that film. Um, but I also really liked him as an actor. I'd seen him in the other stuff. And even the Fantastic Four movies, while they weren't good, he was good in it. I think he imbued Johnny Storm really well. He certainly, I mean, Scott Pilgrim, he was actually already in a lot of comic book stuff. He was in Scott Pilgrim. The Losers. The losers. He, yeah, he, he was kind of covered in, in, in the comic book world. So that wasn't so much of a mind blown to me. Um, but a lot of people were like, he's just a comedy guy. He's just a comedy guy. But no, I'd seen him in other films and I had seen his ability to do like a more dramatic acting. I mean, I think at the time he already did that movie Push, which is a surprisingly delightful film. But he's able to do um, dramatic acting really well. And I knew that he had the capability of doing that. So like when people were already going against him and railing against him to be like, Chris Evans, he's too funny. I'm like, I believe he has the ability to pull it off. I believe he's a good actor. I believe he can do this role. I, I remember having the same arguments, actually, when you, you brought him up, when Ryan Reynolds was cast as Green Lantern. People were like, Ryan Reynolds, he's too much comedy. But I'd seen him in Buried. I'd seen him in Annieville Horror. I actually really like Ryan Reynolds as an actor. I think he's has a lot of range, but unfortunately, he does get pigeonholed into being Ryan Reynolds. And I think ultimately that's what separated this film from Green Lantern. If we want to hit that note, I think that when Marvel approached this movie, they wrote Captain America. They weren't writing, this is the actor that's going to play this character, so let's play to his strengths. No, they were writing, this is Captain America. This is who this character is, and we're going to believe that this actor can pull it off. Meanwhile, 
Green Lantern, they're like, we got Ryan Reynolds, make him be Ryan Reynolds. And that movie ultimately looked where it landed, I think, because of it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot that's involved there for studios and stuff like that, where they think what the draw is going to be. But Marvel, by this point, had faith in what they were doing. And I couldn't, I don't think they can backpedal. I think they're already committed. They did Thor. So at this point, there's no backpedaling. There's no pulling back and doing something different to appease mass audiences. I think they went for it. And casting Chris Evans and believing in him to be able to pull off as an actor, a character is very different from what he's known as, I think was the right call. And they did it, and he did it, and he's the best Chris, hashtag best Chris, uh, <laughs> fight me. Um, that top of the king of the Chris rankings for you, for sure? Yeah, without question. Like, even before any of this, like, you know, uh, and, you know, Mary F. Kill, he was always my, my Mary. Um, We're talking about, my, how many like, Chris's are we talking about? Just the Marvel Chris's? Uh, originally, I mean, that's what people do, right? Like, they usually Evans, do the Hemsworth, Hemsworth Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. And, yeah, those are the three, right? And, like, you can throw Chris Pine in if you want to shake He's it a rogue. up. But, um, rogue element. Right? But, like, no, as far as, like, the Chris's, I mean, for me, uh, Chris Evans is the best Chris. Uh, Robin and I have a lot of debates about this. She's obviously very pro Hemsworth, yeah. but, you know. Um, I do. I like, do I'm Haley Atwell, man. That 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 uh, that thing opened and he just comes out and like she reaches for his chest, which is apparently like that was not planned. <laughs> like that apparently just happened, which I kind of love that. Instincts. I don't know for sure, great but instincts. I've heard that it, yeah, she just reached for just him. tapping the pecs. He can't resist. Yeah, he can't resist once once those pecs come out. Once once you pop, you know, it's again like yeah, our, our great friend Julius Pringles always said. Uh, is, is that the first name of the I know Pringles? I just found this out on a podcast this past week as well Julius Pringles that's real wow isn't that crazy wow that's nuts, uh, that's nuts. Julius Pringles was in the running to play uh, the Red Skull actually uh, <laughs> lost the role to Hugo Weaving uh, his, his head was too round yeah, just, they too, couldn't, they too, couldn't um, model too the, chip-like. the mask onto him <laughs> you know it's interesting we're talking about how uh, there was like some, some question about can Chris Evans be Captain America and like you know you didn't feel that way I didn't feel that way I remember feeling like oh this is cool that's, that's really good casting uh, and I was really excited about it, and I was able to make that leap pretty quickly. Some people less so. I think most people now are pretty on board with like, yeah, that's a great fit for the character, and it's hard to think of him any other way. But even Chris Evans had questions about this, you know, and he's been pretty public about the fact that like the Marvel stuff has not been the easiest for him, that this level of fame has not been the easiest for him, that he's really interested in being a filmmaker, being a director, getting more involved in the industry from that side of things. Um, and that, you know, when we reached the stage that we reached with Endgame, that he really wanted an ending for Captain America. It's not just that, like, that's where his contract is going to go until, but also, like, I think that's where his uh, his appetite for playing this character uh, probably reaches something of an end point. Um, but he almost didn't take the part, is um, something that he has said over the years. Uh, and I think that this is a good segue into something that I learned about Chris Evans' approach to Captain America um, while I was across from Chris Evans as Captain America. Uh, the jealousy right now. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, this was still really early in my career, and it wasn't the first film set that I ever got to visit. First film set I ever got to visit was Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch uh, in Vancouver. 
Well, that must have been a contrast oh, of experiences. It was really cool to be on that set. A Zack Snyder <laughs> set's pretty awesome. Great art department, <laughs> costumes really neat, the props really neat, all the concept art. Cinematography is great. Cool. Writing and directing. All the people were but, super, super nice. It's just a shame. The movie was not so good. <laughs> uh, but then I, the second one I ever went on uh, was First Avenger, and they shot in London. I was there. First time I got to meet uh, my now colleague at The Hollywood Reporter, Dan Feinberg, was on that set. Uh, I believe Ryan Panagos, your friend and mine, Agent M hey! of Marvel. Marvel yes. fame uh, was on that set visit as well. Uh, and <laughs> it's unforgettable for a lot of reasons, you know? Imagine going to the set of a Marvel movie. It was crazy. Uh, and up to this point, like, there were already, like, some set photos that were starting to leak out. So I had a little bit of a, an idea of what to expect. Like, you would see um, uh, Chris Evans, like, robed in these dark robes, like he was Luke Skywalker going to Jabba's palace at the start of Return of the Jedi. Uh, and I think, like, at that point, like, there was, like, some spy photos of some uh, of a stunt man in the Captain America costume riding on the, on on the bike uh for the scene that's like leading up to to the raid on the Red Skull's uh headquarters at the end of the movie. Uh, and I think like as often happens with those types of set photos like oh that doesn't look so good. It's like yeah, that never looks good. You can't judge it on that. It's just not the thing to judge it on. Um but on that set a couple of things happened. One, uh as a big group we interviewed Hugo Weaving in full Red Skull regalia. Uh, he was wearing the Red Skull mask. Oh, wow. The day that we were there to observe, they were shooting the climax of the movie. They were shooting the final fight between Red Skull and Captain America. And we, we saw a version of it that didn't make it into the film. Like, we saw a version where, like, the, the, uh, the roof of the plane blows up and causes, like, this big, like, air suck that has, like, uh, Hugo weaving on wire work, like, halfway sucked out of the ceiling. Um, oh, whoa. But, like, not because he was, like, being blasted to the other side of the universe via Tesseract. It was, like, something happened and, like, blew off the top of the thing. So I think it was going to be, like, a little more combat-y. Uh, and we saw them actually filming it. But he was in the Red Skull makeup at that point. And uh, usually these things don't last very long. Like, uh, just to give you some inside baseball for the people who don't know how this works. Um, is like, you go, you're there with a group of journalists. You're interviewing one, maybe two people paired. You're all there. You're hopefully uh, playing ball with the other journalists. And everybody is, like, being respectful of each other's time. We're trying to ask uh, questions that will work for our own respective outlets. But we'll hopefully work for each other as well. Uh, and so, like, you probably have, like, maybe, like, 15 minutes as a big group interview. It tends to be about the amount of time. Hugo Weaving showed up and was in and out in two minutes. Uh, he was in such clear physical pain uh, from wearing that Red Skull makeup. It was very uncomfortable, oh, wow. and he did not seem excited to be doing it. And it really did feel like we were talking to the Red Skull. And he was very quiet and very soft-spoken. And then was just like, so I have to go. Uh, and that was it. And it was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's sad. No, no surprise <laughs> that this man is not going to want to continue playing the Red Skull any further. Uh, that this was a one-and-done deal. I think that that makeup was painful, uh, was the impression that I got. But Captain America shows up, uh, and we get to talk to Chris Evans for a good little while. And Chris Evans rolls up, and we're in, like, this big hangar where they're keeping all the press. Uh, and Chris Evans shows up, and he's wearing this, like, dark Luke Skywalker Jedi robe that we've been seeing in the spy photos up to this point. And we're like, come on, show us the suit. We know it's under there. Do it. Do it. And he's like, all right, all right, here we go. And so he takes off the robe, and there he is wearing the Captain America costume. And it's very, very cool, except for one thing. His fly is wide open <laughs> in a way that is like impossible to ignore as he is now uh, has exposed himself. Uh, the robe is gone. He's wearing the Captain America costume and his fly is just like Sauron's eye, just uh, full, 
full wow. exposure. Nothing beyond there, thankfully. He was able to keep his modesty, but he was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's great. That's a great first impression. Had a very had a very <laughs> funny Chris Evans attitude about this. Those are those are my two favorite stories from the Captain America set visit. I, I won't go too far into, into anything else, but it leads me into what I was going to say about Chris Evans' take on the character. It was during that um, where he was expressing um, even like some of his like, I don't know that I can do this. This guy is so pure. This guy is so good. I'm not that guy. I am not that pure. I'm not that good. But what he did have at his disposal, Kevin, was Chris Evans is drawing on a close friend of his in his real life. Um, who I believe was a soldier. He was like a scout as a kid. Um, and said, he, Chris Evans has said that this is just like the best guy he's ever known, the truest guy he's ever known. And he's trying to channel that person and embody that person. So in his attempt to play Steve Rogers, Chris Evans is really playing his close friend. Uh, he's playing his close, close friend who he views as a Steve Rogers analog, who he said, like, his friend was like, are you serious? Like, I'm, I'm like Steve Rogers. I don't, I don't think that that really works. But it really, really works. It's clearly, like, I think why the character pops the way he pops is there is, like, this sort of personal quality to the way that Chris Evans plays him. It is really against type in a lot of ways and the ways that you, you know, up to this point really typically expect from the actor but there is just something so personal about the way that he puts that uniform on and not just like the actual costume, but the persona, the qualities of Steve Rogers that feels very lived in. And I think that that's a big piece of why is that he was channeling somebody in his life that he believed in the way that people are supposed to believe in Captain America. So I think that that's a, a cool origin story and a cool entry point into to where Chris Evans comes from with this character. I think, I mean, I think you just said something really interesting, too. I think his friend saying that just like, I'm, I'm not Steve Rogers, I'm not Captain America. You might as well have just said, like, I'm just a guy from Brooklyn. And I think that's the embodiment of the character. So props to, props to that draw. And, like, you know, it's, it, one, it's great to know that there's real people out there who are like this. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that's an incredible story I'm super, super jealous of. Um, I feel bad for Hugo Weaving. I have to ask, do you have... Any intera- did you have any, any interaction with Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> at all on set? Because I have thoughts on that character. No, not not on that set, though I do have an infamous Tommy Lee Jones interview that uh, was the time that Tommy Lee Jones uh, very nearly could have taken my head off. Uh, <laughs> what, on, on the Men in Black 3 red carpet, which was a, a historic evening. It was also the night that I interviewed One Direction. Uh, and I also interviewed... <laughs> Uh, the future president of the United States, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. It was a oh, what a it was a his, what a what a rocky it a, interview. It was a historic night on the Men in Black Three red carpet. Is where all of that went down. I interviewed Will Smith, Josh Brolin, and Tommy Lee Jones, who was not thrilled to be being interviewed by me. But that's a story for another time. Specifically, Josh Wiggler. He hates. <laughs> he didn't care for me. I don't think that he was a big fan. <laughs> I don't think he liked my shenanigans. I can't blame him. My shenanigans are not for everyone. Certainly not for Tommy Lee Jones. Um, Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. I mean, like, there's just great casting all aboard here, right? Like, even even if it didn't work out so well for him, I think he's just, like, the perfect Red Skull. Uh, I think that he based his performance on Werner Herzog, I think, if I'm remembering that right. <laughs> I think I'm remembering that right, that that was somebody who he studied uh, to, to get the mannerisms of Red Skull down. Um, I can see it. Tommy Lee Jones, even if he doesn't like me, I, I think that he's just a terrific actor. So you've got a great uh, you know, actor in Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. Uh, Toby Jones as Arnim Zola is amazing. Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter is a breakout. 
Um, you just have. You have I love her. She's so. You great. have so many great people in here. Uh, you know, a, not quite a star-making turn necessarily from Sebastian Stan as Bucky, but an important you know bedrock character who's going to be a bigger deal as the MCU evolves from here. I think one of my. T- I mean, at this point, Sebastian Stan had already broken out for his his role in um, oh, the Covenant and uh, Once Upon a Time. Okay, so. Well. I don't know what you're talking about. I I don't know what you're talking about, so that makes two of us. (laughs) I think one of the reasons I love the first Avenger so much is that it it it's the anti-Thor in the sense of like what we were talking about last week with how Thor takes place in a weekend. And that's like a quick time for like all of that stuff to go down. First Avenger takes place over years, right? Like it takes place across a war. And there's like an epic quality to Captain America the First Avenger where what I was gonna say is like you could you can imagine like a TV series fitting inside the parameters of Captain America, the first Avengers, like all of the different missions that cap goes on with the howling commandos or even like the various, like you can imagine like the whole story of first Avenger being played out over the course of five seasons of Captain America, the television series Uh, to the point that like they made agent Carter as a sequel series afterwards, like the 1940s MCU that they established in this movie just feels very rich like the Stark Expo that you're seeing, Dominic Cooper as Howard Stark, like you're even getting like that young Tony Stark vibe to this movie. There's just a lot here, tons of crazy Easter eggs, uh, lots of like self-referential stuff um, that I think is just very, very, very smartly done if you're a fan of this stuff. But even if you're not, it just has this world that even within the MCU, which is already starting to become this richer world, I almost think that this is like the richest world we've gotten so far in the MCU. In fact, I think that that's not, shouldn't be a hot take to this point, five films deep, that the world that the first Avengers, uh, that the first Avenger embodies just feels like a, a, like a, a movie universe in and of itself where several other different like golden age Marvel movies could have existed. Absolutely. And I think you, you hit a point there. That's, 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 I think vital um, is that, I, you know, all all the Marvel movies we've seen so far follow the same problems to a certain extent, which is like a great first act, a, a weak second act, and and like a bad third act. And to an extent, this movie follows it in in a similar way. I mean, that's not going to change until next week when we see the Avengers. I distinctly remember it breaking the formula to have like a, a fine first act, an amazing second act, and an out of control amazing third act. But this movie's first act, though, is insane. I mean, like it, it is weird. The movie there is a point where the movie I think takes a turn. But, like, this first act is so great, and I think a lot of that is because of the world. You see the Stark Expo, and I think part of it, too, is that the world feels very much golden age, but nostalgic, even though most of us weren't there for it. I think this time period is so defined in our pop culture and our cinema and in our fiction that it just feels natural and it feels right, and we're able to, like, latch onto it pretty quickly. I mean, as Guardian World is out there, Tony Stark, to an extent, with this, like, rich billionaire, you know, tech industry guy is not something a lot of us can relate to, but this time period... It resonates so well in our culture, and it's so important in our culture. And I think, you know, to get down to what makes this movie successful for me, it, it, it's a lot of that. Like, that aspect, the way they treated the time period and the characters is really great. But you also had these amazing performances. And I think, you know, we're talking about all these great the roles, Tooch. but we can't, cannot miss Stanley Tucci, who's had some of the best lines in this film. And I think, like... This movie, more than I think anyone that I've seen so far, has some of the best jokes and moments and lines. Like, we talked about Haley Atwell touching, touching Steve's chest, but like the moment I remember when I was watching this movie in theaters that I was like, I love this movie, uh, was so silly, but like perfect because it's right after he's transformed. 
Stanley Chuchi sadly dies, uh, and he's chasing that that guy down in the car. It's a great action piece, but that guy picks up a kid, throws him into the water, and it's such a trope. It's done so many times in movie after movie, and the hero has to jump into water to save this person who's about to drown, and I love it that he's going. The kid's just like, I can swim. I can swim. Go get, Go him. get what him. him. What are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my, I love that. I love that. I don't, I mean, obviously there are people who cannot swim and there's a lot of reasons, uh, you know, access to public pools and everything about not being able to swim. But I love that that was just like, no, we're not doing this, this, this trope. It's fine. Just go get the guy. He can swim. Uh, and I love that. Um, that was the moment this movie turned for me and not even turned. Like I fell in love with it for sure. But there's so many amazing lines of dialogue in this movie um the and a lot of them come from stanley tucci that like the moment where he's just like you know steve like is this a test and he's just like yes yeah. like that is also a subversion you know um the the idea where um he's he, they're drinking and he's just like you know what do you mean tomorrow I, i'm not having a procedure i can drink yeah, now. I can and drink he's right like now. drinking with steve those are all such vitally important things but i think he has the line of this movie watching it now that like not to get into heavy, serious stuff, but, like, just blew me away and just, like, made me have to pause the movie and F-bomb out loud um, was, of course, the people forget the first country the Nazis invaded was their right, own. Right, right. Like, that that rocked me hard to my core. But that also speaks so much to what you're saying about the resonance of the film in this time period because, one, it's obviously very relevant for now, but the truth is people love the pulp era right like i love the pulp era i love world world war ii i love that era of storytelling which is especially the the good versus evil approach the kind of ham-fisted you know puncher um style of the pulp era but that's kind of i think the reason why is because it's so clear for us to know at that like looking back it's so clear like those are evil people these are good people and it was very very clear lined good versus evil um, who's, got, and, who's got the blue lasers who's got the red lasers who's gi joe right. who's cobra like it, it's queer like hydra and nazis bad exactly America, and like that good <laughs> like that's exactly and that time line. period yeah and that time period indiana jones so well. good nazis bad nazis bad yeah. and like that was and that should still be the yes. case should still be the case <laughs> yes. which sort of brings me around to like why that rocked me so hard and like you know we still i, I still love that era but like that era feels different now because that line, like, honestly, that line feels so just true for right now. The idea of, like, people do forget that, like, the first country was their own. And, like, people like thinking back, man, if I was in the pulp era, I'd be that hero. Right. Um, and, you know, sadly, we're, we're seeing, we're living the reality of the era. But I still think that we can look at this film for hope and inspiration. And a lot of it came from Steve as a character. Um I don't want to get too far into into the Steve stuff yet. I mean, I guess we could. No, dive let's do into it. That, let's but... absolutely do it. But I, I think to your point, I mean, like, uh, like comic books shouldn't be political. Art shouldn't be political. This pop culture thing shouldn't be political. Well, first of all, no. But secondly, like, he's literally Captain America. Like, if this is not going to be a very political character, and if he's not going to be interwoven into very political stories, uh, you know, check your expectations at the door. It's right there in the name. Um, and I and I I did find it uh, to be a really powerful experience watching the movie uh, right now. Uh, you know, it's the first time I've revisited it, uh, like with like a really dedicated focus. Other than that, um, that run up to uh, to to Endgame a year or so ago, uh, and that line was great. But the other thing that that really hit me was like, don't worry about like being. I, and I'm gonna botch the line that that uh, that the Tooch gives to to Cap. 
Uh, and I'm only going to call him the Tooch. I refuse to, to call him by any <laughs> other name. Um, but he tells him, like, don't worry about being, like, a great soldier. Just be a good man. Uh, and I think, like, that's... <laughs> you and I talk a lot about things that aren't just comic books and superheroes. We reserve that stuff for for offline. Uh, and you and I, before we came on here, we were just, like, ranting and raving about, you know, the state of things, checking in with each other. How are you doing? How's your quarantine brain? Uh, and one of the things that you and I both really very much believe in is, like, the ethos of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. Uh, and so, like, that is something that Steve Rogers embodies. And that's something that is being foisted upon him as an ethos in this moment. It's, like, something that he already knows internally that he's not trying to become, you know, he's skinny Steve. He's he's a little guy. He's the tiny guy. Uh, and, like, it is a little weird to look at the, you know, the tiny body with the Chris Evans head. And, like, they do the best that they can, but it's still sort of uncanny valley type of stuff. Uh, I thought it was great. I, I actually saw no problem no, with it. It's I, just like, I, it just it kind felt of, natural. It just kind of freaks me out a little bit. I do have to say, like, it just doesn't totally work for me. It doesn't, like, totally bomb for me either. But, like, I can't watch without being like, oh, man, this is kind of strange. This is just so weird. Um, but, like, that guy is not, like, picking up the trash can and, like, you know, fudging his his records to go and fight because that's the glorious thing to do. He's doing it because he feels it's, like, very, very strongly the right thing to do. So he already knows that, but the Tooch gives him the words for it. Be a good man. And I think that that's the through line with Captain America, not just in this movie, but across the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we talked about how it's it's not that the Russo brothers come along and redefine Cap in Winter Soldier and continue that in the, the further adventures of Captain America in, um, in, in the other movies that we see him in. It's that Cap is like a fairly stable guy. He's like, you know, they, you know how they say like the most successful artists have to have something like majorly messed up with them in order to be such successful artists? Uh, and maybe that's true for like, Tony Stark is a narcissist, and Thor's kind of a narcissist. Uh, Captain America's just a solid, super good, stable guy who's just doing the solid, good, stable thing. Um, and I, I think that there is a lot to be learned from, from that kind of a person uh, and is a very aspirational character, and they do find a way of doing that without it being boring. And that's what's so impressive to me, that that could be a very boring character, but maybe it's not because it feels like a rarer breed of human these days. And so it's actually like kind of like an exceptional character in some in some respects. I mean, it's it, so, yeah, we're we're segueing into this and you've heard me talk about it uh, a lot. Like you're, you're you're right. It is a unique character, but it's I mean, I've said before and I'll say it right now that I think the Captain America of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the best one of the best, if not the best, interpretation of Superman I've seen um, in in anything. Um, Except and Superman's I think a lot of got it, a gun. Yes, Cap shoots <laughs> I think, a gun and just like straight up murks people in this movie. It's, That's definitely it's true. A thing. Is, no, it is. He would, have, like, no, he, would, he would blink twice about snapping the Red Skull's neck if he had the chance. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't be a struggle for Superman. Superman that wouldn't I guess. be a choice. Yeah. Was was it a struggle for Superman? A debatable. It was um, a struggle. But, Mm, but that physically um anyway uh it, it yes you you are right but i meant the embodiment of who the character is at his, at his heart and i think that is something i'd love to like talk about because it, you know the the honest truth is i'm not a big captain america fan from the comics like i i was never super into captain america i was obviously way more into dc stuff i loved superman um even when it came to the marvel stuff i was way more into the x-men than i was ever um captain america or iron man or, or anyone else like cyclops is probably my favorite um, marvel comic book character there's similarities clearly um but i think 
the Captain America movies, this movie and everything we've seen is is basically what made me like this character. And it's because like he's a Superman that I kind of always wanted. Um, there's a few lines to me that encapsulates while the character just to hit them real quick. One of them is the one you said, but even before then, there's the idea of like, why me? Right. Where he says to, to, to the Tooch, why me? And he's like, I suppose that's the question, isn't it? That already sets up who this person is because, you know, we talked about villains. I talked about villains before about the d- duality and, and like the psyche, right? To me, the Red Skull does accomplish the goal I was talking about because if you were to ask that question, it's not Red Skull wouldn't have said, why me? He would have said, of course me. Because Red Skull has a superiority complex in him already. And I think that defines Steve just from that statement. You know, the why me, like, he, you know, he's, Red Skull is him, is Captain America with strength and power without compassion. And we see that reverberated throughout. Um, the other one, the, the, when, when Red Skull even asks him, what makes you so special? And he says, nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. Um, and the big one, right? Stay who you are is the line. Not a perfect soldier, but a good That's man. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, and that to me is it. That is it. There's two lines. That's number one. Um, you know, the, well, the number two, I guess, second place line, uh, and that's like the key to Superman as well to me. That it's not about his strength, his powers, his speed. It's about his heart, and it's the same way with this Captain America. It's about who he is as a person, as you said. Um, it's about the man, not the super. Which is a shout out to Kingdom Come, uh, which is a very key line from that. And I think one of the best Superman stories ever told. Um, but the big line, the line that really encapsulates who Steve is in this universe, encapsulates who Superman is to me as a character and and how I, I like to see him, is, of course, the famous, I can do this all day. Right. Um, it's the line, right? It's the Captain America line. and like That's what I say when I get to my fourth podcast of the day. Not only <laughs> yes, can I do this, all, I did this all day. I did this all day. You are Steve Rogers. But that, I think, that line is insanely important because... He says it when he's this kitty kid getting his ass kicked, right? And not in this badass moment. Like, he has badass moments now. But the fact that he said it then, as a skinny kid who's outmatched, shows exactly what the heart of that character is. He can do this all day. He's not going to quit. He's not going to give up. Even if he's outmatched, he won't stop, as you said, because it's the right thing to do. And that's honestly how I always saw Superman. It's a very similar context to me. And I know like people have very different interpretations of the character, but like to me, I see it like even without his powers, which is like everyone thinks about Superman with all these like powers and abilities, but even without them, he's still this person. Um, and even with the powers, like I, I'm a big proponent that Superman uh, should not be the strongest. That's Wonder Woman. He shouldn't be the smartest. That's Batman. He shouldn't be the fastest. That's the Flash. But he is the guy who's not going to quit. He's not going to give up when there's the right thing to do in front of him. And like you know, he he's going to get back up every single time. And I see that in Captain America, and that's how I see Superman. Is that he's not about having all these amazing abilities and amazing powers and this crazy set. I, I think it's honestly a little bit better when he does. He has all the powers, but he's not always the best in each of them. But like. That idea, that person who's going to get up every single time and keep pushing forward because it's the right thing to do and it's what he has to do, I think, is what I love about that character. And it, it really is, in a way, I'm smiling because when you, I hear you say and like I see people love Captain America, part of me is just like, yeah, I'm glad because like that's what I love about it. And it is, it is a thing that like is so hard to believe in and to see and to understand, but I think it's compelling in today's day and age especially, right? Like... It's so rare, like, to see someone who's just a good dude today that you even would question. It's just like, why is he such a good guy? And it's because, like, you know, 
I think the approach of this even is Cap is always himself, but the world around him is different and the world around him can push back against him. Yeah. And I think that's what's key to that character. He doesn't have to have a broken psyche or a broken ideology or anything like that when the world around him is broken and he's trying his hardest to fix it. I think the other thing um, that would have been difficult about Captain America and making sure that that character worked is not only like encapsulating all of that stuff that you're talking about, which is obviously crucial, but also making sure he doesn't look like an idiot. The Captain America costume it would be very difficult to, to translate to film. And Absolutely. I think that this movie does a really good job of like getting there. And not dissimilarly to Iron Man, how Iron Man has a progression to his armor over the course of that first movie. They go through a, a variety of looks in this, right? Where they go, uh, they have like sort of like that classic old school original uniform for the USO shows. Uh, he has like, is it the Ultimates where he's got like the leather jacket and like the, the USO shield on his back and the pants? In the time period of the Ultimates where it was the past, yes. That's straight out from the Ultimates where he's wearing that jacket. So there's like a lot of stuff hat. that's just like pulled from the comics. And then they kind of, it's kind of inspired by the Ultimates as well, his helmet um, in, yes. the, in the final iteration that we see of him here in uh in in first avenger and it doesn't it's it's not my favorite captain america costume that we get across these movies but it's a pretty serviceable job and i think like a difficult thing that they had to pull off is like how did they find something that's gonna look like it fits comfortably alongside the world war ii aesthetic but is also gonna pop for a modern audience i think that the costuming on on cap is probably the hardest costuming that we've encountered so far in the mcu i don't think that that is in contention for me no, I think you're 100% right. And we're, we are going to see some ups and downs as we move forward with Cap in this franchise. But you're right, right? Because, like, Tony is um, a suit of armor, you know, like this metal armor. And you're just like, okay, yeah, sure. It looks, it can be cool. It's, it's, it's mechanical. It's technic- technical. Uh, Thor is wearing, like, Viking gear, practically. Like, he, his superhero outfit, you're just kind of like, yeah, I can believe it. He has the chainmail on the arms, which is great. But Cap is, like, was straight up, like, it's a superhero costume. He's wearing the American and flag. Like, that could be really effing cheesy if you don't do it right. Right, and like sometimes they lean a little bit, I think they lean really hard into like the comic book versions. And even in the comics, personally for me, this is one of my favorites. I love his World War II era look because I, I feel like it has that soldier, the soldier look to it. Um, I love the, the <laughs> Rob Liefeld, I love the pouches to say um, on it, but I think it fits in this character. I love the helmet. I mean, there's so much I love about this costume. It's not perfect, but I think it's better than a lot of what we're going to get for a little while until we end up, honestly, I think Endgame might be my... My favorite of where it culminates because I think it's a great fusion of the Captain America superhero costume and Captain America the soldier costume. And I think we see that in Endgame. But this is this is a starting point. This is really up there for me because I just really like the look and feel and style of it. I also really like his like um, shield shield versus the round shield is something I really enjoy. Um, there's a lot about this I I, I love. And, and the costume is a great call out because it's so he could have looked so bad. Look so and bad. Honestly, Honestly, we're going to find out in Avengers next week. From my memory, he does. Well, but we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. I don't know. <laughs> I, there are things about that costume that I love. I feel very sentimental towards that costume. Uh, <laughs> but how does it hold up? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see as we get there. Um, let's talk about some of the non-Captain America elements, because this is it's like a really stacked ensemble. We talked about the actors involved, but the characters, too. And it's another reason why I feel like you could make a full TV show just out of the first Avenger uh, era of Captain America. Um, starting, first and foremost, with the one that they did make a TV show about, uh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Um, give me the Peggy Carter takes. You never watched Agent Carter, did you? I didn't. Um, I saw a few episodes, but it was really hard for me to keep up with. And like, I, I, you know, this I watched the first season. I don't think I saw the second, but the first one was really, really good. 
Yeah, it's nothing against the the show either because I didn't really watch Shield either. Um, but uh, I do love Haley Atwell, and I loved her in this role. And you know, um, the character's phenomenal. I really liked how that character was portrayed. I liked her and Steve together as a pairing. Um, there's there's just so much about her as a character I really enjoyed, and I'm sad that we didn't get enough of her further on in 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 the bigger you know context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think. We are going to get her in the what if stuff, which I'm really, really pumped about. Um, so I'm excited to see that. But she's she's great. And it, it is her and Steve. I'll, I'll stand by what I said during Thor. I, I think, you know, their relationship is 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 better and more powerful. And I think more, you know, uh, meaningful than than what they tried to do with with Thor and um, uh, Jane Foster. Uh, well, they've got years got here, Peggy. right? Like they've got years of history to to. They've got develop years, but they story. also. Thor showed up being Thor. He's just like, haha, I don't have much of a personality yet, except I'm an asshole. Um, and yet it was just like, oh yeah, these two connecting. Um, but like, sometimes that Steve, works. Sometimes that works. I mean, and it, it does, and there's nothing against it. But I think, again, in two days to then be at the end of it, like, my world is this person is crazy. Um, I, it's fine. Again, if they're attracted to each other, it's great. That's fine. It's just a two day thing. And then that, that's the climax of the film is nonsense. Um, but this, you know, you, you get. You get them interested. You get you get to see what Steve is like as a person. You get to see what she's like as a person. You get to see how she's interested in him and why. I mean, the the I, I'm calling it the Mulan scene, but the get the flag scene uh, um, is, is so well done, great, right? Yeah. It shows it shows him as a strategist because that's also what Steve is. That's also what Captain America is. He's a strategist, and I think that all resonates really well into building their relationship and and to why there is something there. And I love that they got separated for a while. They came back. I think there's a lot there that works really well for these two characters. And I love the ending works for me because the ending of this isn't even him being like, I have to do this to save her. I mean, the context was there because if, if, everyone dies she dies too right but it wasn't it wasn't his big motivation it wasn't his sole motivation because captain america isn't about a person he's about everyone and his drive to like sacrifice himself was for everyone but i love the, the come around ending of this whole thing where it's just like you know i had a date like i love that 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 they were you know they were gonna have their moment they were gonna have the, their dance quote unquote uh i feel like dance stands for something else but whatever um, it's a little and- dance did you not watch Endgame? Yeah, but I also saw a lot of Doctor of Who. Gutter. Get your head out of the A lot of Do- Doctor Who also did a thing where dancing definitely meant something Get else. Get your Doctor Who out of my Marvel dances. podcast. I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that. You know, not only in this movie does it does it hammer home an ending point, but it also comes full circle at the very very end of the entire franchise. Um, and I love that. Um, so yeah, yeah. To rant about Haley Atwell and Peggy Carter for a little bit. There, there it is. Uh, she's great. I liked her in Black Mirror as well. Um, I think the biggest thing... Love Haley Atwell. The biggest thing that stinks is, like, yeah, they, they can make the show because, like, that's the time period in which she exists. But, like, you know, they bring Peggy Carter into future Marvel movies by being, like, a very old person who's like, oh, Steve, we should have had that dance. And, like, that's really, like, all they can they can do. And it's such a bummer because she's so great as this character. I do wonder... You know, with Endgame introducing, you know, time travel into the lexicon at the MCU and multiverses and stuff like that. And we know that Haley Atwell, she's going to lend her voice to um, to the Marvel's What If series, which is the animated series that's going to come to Disney Plus and play around with, you know, different multiverse streams. Uh, and I think they're doing like, what if Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum? Uh, she's going to be Captain Carter. Uh, that's a really fun idea. But is there a future of the live action MCU? where both Chris Evans as Steve Rogers 
and Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, now that we know that they are eventually reunited, albeit in a different strand of the timeline of the multiverse, can they pop back into like Earth Prime or whatever numbered Earth the MCU takes? It's not the 616 is the MCU. I know, because that's that's the comic one. Could you imagine that scenario where someday we get Peggy Carter hanging out in like the modern age with, say, Sam Wilson, Bucky, all those people. Um, I hope so. I would like man, to see it. I think it'd be fun. I, I would love it, right? Like the, 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 the fan in me would love something like that. But the, the, the storyteller in me kind of wants it to be like, well, this is this, that's the end of their story. And I'm okay with that. Um, I'm, I'm okay with seeing them in the what if stuff. Uh, it's hard to imagine them showing up again in the future. I mean, it could be a really cool moment. I think it could break some stuff. I mean, you know, when you think really hard and long about it. But I, I, I also really love the concept of like, I mean, I'm just a sucker for like heroes who retire and then come back out of it. Sure. Like there's this, you know, like John um, Matrix. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like John Matrix. Hey, Adam Zola, remember when I told you I'd kill you last? (laughs) I lied. I mean, I'm going to say you did that because of the Jeff Loeb connection, because he's a comic book writer, a famous comic book writer, and wrote Commando as well. But, like, yes. John, I mean, John Matrix is just who came to mind. My favorite thing, by the way, is I loved in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, he always had the most, like, normal-ish name, like, John Matrix. Like, his names are always just, like, normal names. John Matrix is a normal name? compared to like some of the you know like uh, more or less like he always plays these like weird all-american characters is the best way to put it and like he's you know this giant austrian dude but anyway um i i i would love that like that idea like you know there's a lot of comics that do that where it's like they're old and they come back out one of my favorite interpretations of that i mean i I shouted out earlier so it's on my mind um is kingdom come um they did something great which Shazam in that, like, you didn't really see it coming, and then it's like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I, I the, the nerd in me loves the idea. The storyteller in me kind of wants to be like, I guess this is the end of their story. Sure, we, shouldn't, sure. we shouldn't bring them back out, but of course I'd love to see more of Haley Atwell as Agent Carter. Of course I'd love to see Chris Evans come back as Cap, but I understand the reasons for not doing it. Um, lots of other great characters in this. Uh, Red Skull, you know, this is one of the most iconic villains that we've gotten in the MCU up to this point. We talked about how Hugo Weaving, uncomfortable time playing the character. Really no surprise that he doesn't want to do it anymore. Also, he gets, like, zapped into oblivion by the end of the movie. And finally, Endgame and Infinity War uh, give us the, 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 the scoop on what happened to this guy. Where is this guy? Uh, so, uh, you know, he's still out there in the universe, albeit played by somebody different. Ross Marquand of The Walking Dead fame, uh, lending his, uh, his, his likeness and his best Hugo Weaving doing a Werner Herzog impression to the proceedings. Um, but did you like, I know we'll get to the rankings later, but just give me some of like your overall takes on, on Red Skull and how Marvel does up to this point. This is like their biggest, most iconic villain that they've rendered for the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. I think even more so than, than Loki up to this point would be uh, my take. I mean, yeah, I mean, people people vaguely knew of Loki, but I think a lot of people knew of the Red Skull in the same way they knew Captain America. Um, he's sort of like a like an image and an idea that people kind of are familiar with, at, at the very least. Um, and I, honestly, I loved it. I mean, it's not perfect. There's a lot of things that, that were missing. I wish there was a little bit more development, but if his portrayal of that character, I thought, was fantastic. And like I said, I think it worked 
in the context of what that character is, right? Like he's that reflection in, in that way where he's he's Steve without the compassion. And what do you get when you have that? When you have an ego, you get the Red Skull. When you have this idea of superiority. And I, I think that was all there for the character. And it honestly, it is tragic that we're not going to get more of that character because I think he's a great character, especially right now. I mean, part of me is just like, yo, bring that character back and have him fight like Sam Wilson. Like, are you kidding me? Having a Nazi fight the new Captain America, Sam Wilson? How is that not the story you're doing right now in that show? How do we like, know it it's not? Feels... We don't know it's not. We have no idea. We don't know it's not. And, you know, uh, I would love it if it is. And I think that's one of the biggest tragedies, I think, of this film is if we've lost the Red Skull as a villain, I, I do think that sucks because I think he's great. And it's it's hard to just be like, oh, well, what sort of villain is he? It's like, well, he's a Nazi. And it's like when people talk about your villains just can't be evil. And I'm like... Can they not? Yeah. Because if anything, the world is showing us they very well can be. Well, if Captain America can just be like kind of like pure lawful good, why can't the Red Skull just be pure chaotic evil? Well, he's lawful evil. Is he lawful evil? He's lawful evil. (laughs) Well, 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 he's not really following any laws. He, I mean, he is. They they have their own laws. People show up and he just shoots them. Right, but he has his own like set of laws that he follows. Sure, Chaos no, you're right. Is, you're right. You're right. You're right. He, he, I don't want to get eviscerated yeah. on Twitter for there's, getting there's the, an the order to what right. he no, does. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're right. <laughs> oh yeah, which by the way, the guy he shoots at the very beginning, I had to call out because I started this movie and I was just like, David Bradley. I know who is Stragoy. that guy's in Stragoy. every. Stragoy. He's in every franchise. He's Abraham Sitrakian of the Strain. Stragoy. <laughs> in addition to all he's, the other things, Walter Frey, Argus Filch. He is yep. most famously on poster recaps. He was in a hot second. I think he was in Lord of the Rings, Stragoy. too. He's in every big franchise, yeah. which is good for that guy. Good for David Bradley. Um, he's great. He's amazing. I was, um, I was hoping you wouldn't notice because I wasn't going to bring it up. But anytime we bring him up, I got to shout, Stragoy! <laughs> which sucks. I mean, I can never not bring up David Bradley if I see Fair him. Enough. He's he's fantastic. Fair enough. And, uh, yeah, um, so... As a villain, yeah. I, I mean, we'll get into our rankings later. I'm curious your take as well, because like we've we've discussed villains a lot on this, and I think back and forth. Love them. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I like not a good guy, <laughs> actively ba- yeah, actively no. bad guy. Uh, but I, I think as as far as villain, like just just great, kind of iconic. Uh, you know, certainly visually, I think that they they put Hugo weaving through hell to make that look as good as it did, but it looks great. They do a really good job making the Red Skull look great. Uh, when he punches a shield, it's so cool. <laughs> it's very, very cute. Very cool, and Hugo weaving is just great. Uh, so getting some Hugo weaving in our MCU is better than no Hugo weaving. Uh, and I do wonder, because uh, like the Soul Stone gets taken, does that free the Red Skull? Like, Is the Red Skull allowed to like leave from his post as the Soul Stone Keeper in the in the later Avengers movies, could he be free to wander around the MCU now? Is it possible that we'll get some more Red Skull? I really would like that. I think that that would be great. I think that that's something that is worth exploring. Is uh, is like the history of Steve Rogers and Captain America embodied by the return of the Red Skull? I think would be a really compelling story to tell with uh, the future of the Captain America franchise as uh, as Falcon and Bucky seem to be, you know, wielding the shield in, in some sort of co-sharing capacity since they're co-sharing the TV show at the very least. Yeah, I, I think that is absolutely a way to bring him back, right? Like, Captain America had to get frozen in ice, but how do you bring back the Red Skull into modern day? That's how. Yeah. And so, like, I think it's, a, it's an easy way to work it. And, like, I know that, you know, again... 
getting political in comics is very clearly only a recently thing that just happened. But I think having him show up now and really tackling that type of story is important. I I don't know if Marvel and Disney are willing to to delve into a story like that, um, all things considered. But uh, I think it would be interesting. And I think even subtextually doing something like that, I think could be really great. And again, just just to have that character, obviously we're not going to have Hugo Weaving, which is, which is tragic because he's so good in that role because we all love him the same way like the casting of Jeff Bridges and, you know, uh, Tom Hiddleston in that role. I think he did a really good job here. Um, I think, like you said, though, this is a, this is a great loophole way to bring him back into the modern day and have him be a new villain again. Um, let's get into some feedback from folks that'll help steer our conversation moving forward. Um, some takes on Chris Evans as Captain America. The aforementioned Brendan Fitzpatrick writes in, how did Chris Evans go from Johnny Storm in two of the worst comic book movies ever made to Steve Rogers? Does Chris Evans have the best agent in all of the MCU? Now, it got to be uh, RDJ for like the crazy money deal that he makes after Iron Man has to have the best agent. Um, also, Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., so Samuel Jackson, uh, technically best agent. Uh, well, he's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Does he need an agent? Yeah. I think he could just His walk agent in and just be Nick like, Fury. here's my contract. Um, one thing that I did notice, uh, and I know this is a big Easter egg for for people, is at the Stark Expo, at the start of the movie, uh, there's the Human Torch is on display, who is like a, not the Human Torch of the Fantastic Four, but is a Human Torch of like the old school Howling Commandos, right? Of yes. Captain America's crew. Back in the- well, he's a. I believe he's a robot, but yes, he's a robot, but like he's kind of like a humanoid robot, sort of. Yes, correct. Uh, and he, yeah, he's a humanoid robot. I'm trying to remember if his name is. I just felt like that had to be like at him. least cheekily nodding towards Chris Evans was once the Human Torch, a different Human Torch, but the Human Torch uh, all know, the same. Feels I like, didn't put that together, like, but I think a nice you're right. Way of like threading the 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 two Marvel superheroes that Chris Evans played once upon a time. But they were they weren't the Howling Commandos. They were the uh, Invaders, I believe. Is what it, they really do have to bring Chris Evans back into the MCU at some point, if only for him to interact with whoever they get to play. Johnny Storm when they bring the Fantastic Four in. I mean, it's just not fair so if they don't at least have like a cameo at some point. He was so great in that role. I think him and Michael Chitlis, you know, for as not good as those movies were, I think they were great as the thing. Such disrespect Wars, for Jessica Alba right now. I'm so upset I, with you. It's nothing against her or the the uh, Mr. Fantastic Juan Gruffid, but um, can you say I that think- again? What was his name? <laughs> I can't. I can't pronounce it. Sorry, guys. Uh, but they were. They, I think they, as far as like the interpretation of the comics and their interplay against each other and their pranking, I think was really well done. And and I, I think Chris Evans was a great Human Torch in a not good movie. Um, uh, so you know, again, he's a good actor, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Doe writes in uh, the training montage where Rogers figures out how to grab the flag and soon thereafter jumps on the grenade. It's an all time great tandem scene in the MCU. It solidifies everything you need to understand about Captain America. It's such a great example of show don't tell. And you can practically see Peggy falling in love in real time as he jumps on the grenade. Don't we all? Yeah. I mean, those are, those are great call outs. I forgot about the grenade scene, but it's absolutely right. Like again, the embodiment of who that character is and, and to show up Tommy Lee Jones's character, who part of me is just like, does he count as a villain? Because he is a villain for a little bit in this movie. He murders that stake. Um, yeah, he does. He does murder that stake yeah. right in front of uh, Armenzola. But uh, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Those, scene, that, those two scenes are really great. And I just love how it's done. And again, person willing to jump on the grenade is such a rarity. <laughs> um, but the great Brendan Fitzpatrick also adds, Chris Evans's voice. 
It just doesn't go with that tiny body. But it's forgivable. Um, so you have no issue with the way that they... I mean, what were they going to do? I, I don't know what else they could have done. They have to tell the story of Skinny Steve. They can't have Chris Evans do a full Christian Bale here and have him with, like, machinist body and then Dark Knight body. I think that would be asking a lot of the man. They would really need to give him great health insurance in order to pull that off. Uh, so I think that... The, plus the timetable of that. That's like the castaway thing, too, right? Isn't that what they did with Tom Hanks? Big body, small body. They could have... Yeah, almost killed him. You know, I don't think that that would have been the right thing to do with a guy that you're investing so much time in. And also, not for nothing, another reason why I think signing on to play Captain America was not a small endeavor for Chris Evans is, like, he's making the first adventure, and then very quickly thereafter, he's making the Avengers. Uh, You know, like, almost like a a simultaneous overlap. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's, like, out one door through the next right away. It's like like back-to-back seasons of Survivor, (laughs) Yeah, he's the Malcolm Freeberg of the MCU. (laughs) Um, I don't think quite, but uh, I don't know. It just, it is very jarring to me to see, like, normal-sized Chris Evans' head on Tinier Body just... uh, it's just kind of like creep me out just a tiny bit. It, it it did when I when I first watched the movie. I remember when I first watched it in theaters. I thought it was weird. And I thought it was creepy. But like honestly, I think the effects holds up really well. So it doesn't. It wasn't as off putting this time around. And I think it does work well in terms of like what else were they gonna do? You know, they had to use Wayne Zielinski's shrink ray basically <laughs> to make him look skinny. Yeah. Um. And then you know have him transform. I mean, the other option is I love like that you went for Wayne Zielinski's shrink ray when Hank Pym is in this universe. Yeah, but Joe Johnson directed it. Ah, uh, so. true. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but like the other option would have been a different, like a different casting. Which you know, as I love Dominic Cooper as as um, as uh, 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 Howard Stark, but it's also very weird because there's no reality where like Dominic Cooper Cooper is going to grow up to be John Sleatherly. Like, no, that's not that's not happening. It's a weird like, huh? Those people don't really look like each other, but. The casting was done. What can we do? So I think in terms of options, that that was that was the right call. It's not as off-putting. Um, um, the voice, I think, is fine. I don't think the voice throws me off, though. The whole thing <laughs> just really weirds me out every time. But, like, I can get on board with it because I love Chris Evans so much and I love the character so much. But it definitely is. Like, there is a, uh, it's never not on my mind when I'm watching those scenes. I'm like, ah, <laughs> so strange. So odd. Although what's also very odd and, and on my mind is, again, like, I, I come from, I, I can't divorce myself from the perspective of somebody who was reporting on this movie in, like, the lead-up to this. Like, that's my experience with this movie, is it was very early in my career, and I was covering it very aggressively. And so I, I had to see, like, all of, like, the set pictures, like, all of, like, the pop shots. Uh, and one of them, one of, like, the things that was, that was glimpsed early on uh, in the filming that was leaking was, like, the scene where Steve is fresh out of the super soldier uh, device, and he's now pursuing uh, Richard Armitage. Uh, uh, Thorin Oakenshield himself as the Hydra soldier uh, through the streets barefooted and Chris Evans or and or his stunt double had to wear like these like uh, feet boots uh, <laughs> or like he has to wear like flesh boots uh, to run around so that he could actually that do the running uh, and they looked very strange in the set photos so I every time I see him in those scenes I keep thinking about how he's wearing like foot shoes which I guess is any <laughs> shoe is a foot shoe Basically, any shoe is a foot shoe, but foot shoes don't have not, not every shoe has toes, yeah. which some do. And I'd hate them. But um, 
not all of them look like that. It is weird to think about. Again, I love that scene, which, by the way, Incredible Hulk, come back around. That's how he's running. Anyway. Uh, since we were talking about the, the Howard Stark of it all, let's, let's take this from Zach Brooks, the great Zach Brooks. Uh, there's so many similarities between this movie and Joe Johnston's The Rocketeer, especially the Howard Hughes, Howard Stark of it all, and him being behind the technology that makes the hero go. Should Terry O'Quinn have played Howard Stark? Because he played Howard Hughes <laughs> in The Rocketeer. Obviously, the answer is yes, right? No, because he'd be like Howard Stark should be dead by by this age. Then, like he would no, have died Terry way before the Witcher. John Slattery. No, oh, oh, instead of John Slattery. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, well, again, how is Dominic Cooper growing up? Into I don't that? know. Just get me some Johnny Locke in my in my MCU, and I'm going to be pretty happy about that. I do love Terry O'Quinn in that movie, though. He is fantastic uh, as, as Howard Hughes. I haven't watched The Rocketeer in so long. I haven't watched it since I was very young. Just rewatched it recently. It's still really fun. Um, we had a little group before, not recently, now, but like I think back in January, we did like a little group movie night viewing. Uh, Robin has never seen it, and so a couple people hadn't watched it, so we all watched it together. It was very. very Billy fun. Campbell's The Rocketeer. Uh, I believe that is the actor's name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Emily and I <laughs> and uh, like. Don't forget uh, Jennifer Connelly. Emily and I like Billy Campbell because we watch uh, anytime Jennifer Lopez is enough is on television. We have to stop down and watch it. Billy Campbell's the bad guy in that. So we really like I to root against him. Have not watched that movie. <laughs> Put it on the list. Uh, J-Lo's Enough. A classic. Stone Cold. Um, this is from Jared. Uh, if I've got one major criticism with the movie, it's that Bucky's quote-unquote death doesn't quite work for me as the emotional inflection point that it's supposed to be. Maybe that's fueled a bit by the fact that I know he's not actually dead, but I also just don't think he's a well-established enough character for me to care that much. I really like him with Wimpy Steve at the beginning, but after that, it's kind of meh. Um, I'd be curious for your take on that, Kevin, because I do think maybe my least favorite scene in the entire movie is the scene where Bucky falls from the train. Um, yeah, it was interesting watching it, and, and it was great watching it with Robin, especially this uh, lead-up that we're doing, because she is famously not a fan of Winter Soldier. Um, oh, I didn't know and, that. Uh, yes, she's famously not a fan. Okay. Um, well, not, not, not a fan. She just doesn't understand why people rank it so high. She found it very boring, but um i'm curious on a rewatch because a lot of it too for her is like this character is bucky and his friendship with steve she's just like what friendship we we saw cap and tony become friends but like watching this you saw i think she saw a bit bit of a difference because i do think they do a really good job establishing their friendship right i think that part is is accurate like at the very beginning their interaction is great honestly when he rescues him is really really great i love the scenes like you know like it used to be smaller like i thought it was really great their exchange was like is this permanent it seems to be so far like those are great moments i do wish we had more of that uh as we head up to the train scene because like that part is true the train scene when it happens it is a bit anticlimactic it's kind of like oh okay um you know like that 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 part isn't as dramatic as I think it could have been if they had played up um, their friendship continuing during the wartime a little bit more. Uh, it was also harder for me because like when I first watched this, I wasn't sure what direction they were taking. And when he rescued him, I was like, is he already brainwashed? Is he already to Winter Soldier? Um, so I kept expecting him to like shoot Steve at any moment. Um, but yeah, it, it does It does suck that that didn't have as much of an impact. And I, I do agree with that. Uh, verdict, which I do think is also, you know, we've been raving about it, but there is a turning point in the film, and honestly, I do think the turning point is that initial raid and rescue of the 400 soldiers that he that he rescues. I think that honestly should have been the climax of the movie, um, and the movie kind of takes a turn after that point, which includes the train scene, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it, it would have been the end of the, of the of a season of Captain America, right? 
Like that, right? Yeah, you know th- that's the thing. That's why this just like it. It feels like there's so much here that it could be a show. It it really does feel that way. Like especially with the side characters, we haven't touched on the Howling Commandos at all. Which I know, and know, I've loved Neil McDonough is one of my uh, my favorite like you know actors who just like shows up in so many different things. Yes. He's one of my favorite villains on Justified. He's terrific in in Band of Brothers, obviously. So uh, he's great in the DC uh, TV shows as well. He's a major villain in the. Oh, DC he's uh, what's his face? The Damien Dark. Yeah, Damien yeah. Dark. Yeah, he's just great in everything that he's in. Uh, and uh, I believe he gets uh, uh, assimilated into the Borg in Star Trek: First Contact. That is accurate. Uh, the, the- <laughs> He's really great, and um, uh, the Howling Commando is really awesome. And this actually is interesting because, in, depending on like versions you you read, like um, um, either Nick Fury or uh, one of Fury's grandfather was uh, or dad was a member of the Howling Commandos. But also, what's really interesting is because we looked up the actor because we were like, where do we know him from? Um, but the actor who plays um, uh, what is his name, like uh, Morita uh in in uh in in this uh is from the last one on earth is where we know him from okay uh which is a great show but he's also in spider-man homecoming that's right because he's the principal principal. who is the descendant of that character which i'm fine with yeah he has has his picture on his wall yes i love that i love that love that love that love that like that's a that's a great uh well done uh history in my opinion Better than just retroactively being like, sure, why not? It's the kid. Um, I think this is this is more uh, purposeful and, and well done. So I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's funny. It, that, that's not even like the strangest bit of like sort of side casting in this movie. Uh, the weirdest one is that Marjorie Terrell. Marjorie Tyrell, I knew it. <laughs> uh, Natalie Dormer is just like a random soldier who tries to get it on with Steve Rogers. Um, my headcanon has always been that, uh, Natalie Dormer has to show up in a future Marvel Cinematic Universe movie as, like, an Asgardian. Uh, who's the, is there Enchantress? Is that a Thor villain? Yes. I think that, she, uh, she'd be great as that. And then, like, really this was her attempt to, to get it on with Steve Rogers, and then there's, like, a side story where we get to see her fighting Peggy Carter and Peggy Carter. I thought of something crazy. (laughs) What if, what if it's Loki in his time travel shenanigans, he goes back in time and is that character trying to mess with uh, Captain America? I mean, Natalie Dormer would be an amazing Lady Loki. That would be incredible. (laughs) That would be absolutely amazing. Would love it. I hope that's what happens now. I hope that they, when they do the Loki love series, it. there's that Easter egg gag. I love it would that. be so good. I love that. <laughs> uh, Ryan Patterson says, is it a hot take for me to have Red Skull higher than the first iteration of Loki? I feel like Red Skull has clear motive and terrifying intentions, plus Hugo Weaving. Um, um, I don't know if it's a hot take. It's not a hot take, but it's a take. I It's hard to really hit it because I, I don't think there was as much development with this character unfortunately i do think he has really strong sensibilities in terms of like his motivations and like his persona but you get a lot out of loki but you know equal performance i think from both actors but i think loki has a little bit more especially again that personal fight with thor like i think if the the, you know we we talk about that that thor and loki fight was really good in the last movie this i will say the ending fight of this was rather disappointing and not just because he gets zapped into another universe i thought the fight was just kind of like really quick for what should have been like two super soldiers again uh, essentially fighting you know against opposite sides and, and and fundamental philosophies yeah um that's another reason why i feel like we need a rematch 
especially because like there's the Soul Stone and everything. Red Skull is going to end up on Morag. We're gonna we're gonna lose some people there. We know that after End Game, uh, Steve Rogers is going to put all the stones back where they found them. So Steve Rogers, with Mjolnir in hand, presumably has to go back and uh, confront the Red Skull. You would think, or at least have right? a very Everyone's awkward been conversation. Asking for that. Yeah. So like if they, <laughs> awkward conversation. If they don't at least turn that into an episode of the What If show, uh, huge missed opportunity. But I, but I, it is one of those things that it, that's so fun to play out in your head of like what does that encounter look like of Cap versus Red Skull in, in their their grudge match post end game as Cap is on like kind of like see like it's just such a great idea for a, for a movie or yet again a show would be like Cap's long journey back to Peggy Carter. It's like the Odyssey, you know? It, oh my it god! Really is. Oh my god! Josh, Josh, you're blown. Okay, I, I changed. I changed my verdict. I would love to see Peggy and Cap back in the MCU, but in the TV show context like this of cool. uh, what you're saying, like the Odyssey, or you know, like like some kind of weird sliders s quantum quantum leap, a modern day quantum leap. He, Captain America is hoping the next leap is going to take him back home to Peggy. Um, Jesse asks, uh, MVP of the movie, Tommy Lee Jones is Colonel Chester Phillips. He delivers one-liner after one-liner in a brilliant, dry fashion. He does it so well, you don't even realize that he's been playing the comedic relief the entire movie because the jokes never take away from his air of authority. So I guess it's not a question so much as a take. Kevin, how do you feel? And just be you know careful here, Tommy Lee Jones. He already dislikes one of us on this podcast. Um, I will say that, I mean, for me, MVP is, is the Tooch, like, without question. The Tooch. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. The only thing I will say, and this is, like, the big the big Robin comment of this movie that we were watching, uh, the character shows up, she goes, what's that guy from? And I said, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones? And she's just like, oh, right. Uh, <laughs> Which is probably my favorite moment of great. watching this. That's great. But, like, he's, yeah, he's fine. I, it's weird because, like like I said, he's almost like a villain for a lot of the movies. His, his throwaway, he never fully his, does it. His throwaway line read on, I'm not kissing you, is really funny. Yeah. That's really, really <laughs> it good. Is, it is very amusing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I, I think he does, a, he does a good job. But I think the character um, doesn't, pop or stand out enough to me versus like a Stanley Tucci. Uh, Robin has also said Stanley Tucci just put him in every single Marvel movie now, like American Horror Story style. He's just someone different each time, a, a, <laughs> but he's in every Stanley Marvel Stanley Tucci film. for all, all seasons is something that yes. I, I am here for. Um, Kyle Faber asks us, uh, again, not a question so much as a take. Uh, the question to derive from this is, does the movie lose a little steam, uh, movie lose a little steam along the way? Uh, and Kyle says, it feels weird that the mid-movie set piece is the attack on Hydra, and then the big end set piece is also an attack on Hydra, plus Red Skull starts to devolve into feeling like he's just some generic bad guy when there's so much time between the catwalk scene and the final battle it's also fairly weird that zola is patient uh, painted to be a rational nazi if anything blue lasers are more humane than the way that nazis actually killed people uh <laughs> you know it's a fair take i think it's very fair take um you know just immediate disintegration unless like you're getting like cosmically atomically ripped apart in which case, that sounds pretty terrible as well. You suffer for an eternity before actually vaporizing. Um, also, uh, Kyle is referencing the catwalk scene, uh, which is just like when the, when the catwalk is like spreading apart and it's Cap yes. on one and, re- and Red Skull on the other. The Red Skull reveal. Also, when you know to look for that too, and like he got punched in the face, and like now his like human face mask is like slightly askew, and you can see some Red Skull underneath. All of that's really really good. Does the movie lose steam for you um, midway through? Because it doesn't for me. I think that the movie it, is like a, at a very consistent level the whole way through for me. 
It, it does lose a little steam for me, I have to admit. Sure. And I think it's the same thing. Like, I think after that, you know, the big rescue mission, after that catwalk moment, um, which should have been, I think, uh, the climax of the movie, I think it does lose a little steam. I like that we see the commandos and we have the montages of them in the war. There's a lot of really good stuff there, but I think it loses steam because the the ending itself isn't, or the, the, the actual fight and climax isn't as powerful as what came before. I think the ending ending of Steve sacrificing himself is great, and I think that that holds up really well. The conversation with Peggy and him in the ship, I think, is phenomenal, and him waking up in, in modern day is also equally uh, fantastic. Um, let's talk about the... This is a question that we've gotten a lot of different versions of. This one comes from Andrew chronologically this movie technically comes first in the mcu do you think the mcu would have had the same impact if this had been the first movie released um kevin imagine the world where iron man is not the first bullet out of the gate uh for the mcu but this is instead um you know sometimes there's like the machete order of how to watch a movie or like you know watch it in the chronological order i i tend to think that like the the way in which something is released is the way to watch it uh with a couple of exceptions here and there, one of which is going to, you know, eventually come up on the Lost Down the Hatch podcast that I'm doing with with Mike Bloom here on Post Show Recaps. I have a very important edit to make for the final season of the show. Do you think that the MCU, or at least like the Infinity Saga, plays differently and or better if you watch First Avenger first and then you go through it, Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man Two, Thor, the Avengers, or is this the exact right place for it to be? I think. I think this is the right place for it to be. I actually interpreted that question a little bit differently. Um, I thought they were saying if the movie, this movie had come out, literally like came out before Iron Man in theaters, like would it be different? Um, I do think this is the right order for it. And I do think both in terms of like watch order, but I think also in terms of release order, I think this movie, I don't think the Marvel Universe would have been successful if this was the first film, unfortunately. And that's not a credit to how good the movie is. That is, I think, more about what people were looking for for superheroes. I think Iron Man was so different from what people had, had had seen before. I think the character was very different from what people expected from superheroes. I think a modern day story was easier to sell. I think if Captain America sadly happened first, it wouldn't have been um, as successful as Iron Man. And I don't think the Marvel Universe would have happened, unfortunately. I think he's a hard character to sell. And I think they did, like you said, they have to take the steps. They have to do Iron Man first. Then they have to do Thor. Then they have to do Cap. Yeah. Uh, to sell these different things. So I, I do think this movie had to come where it did, both in terms of narrative and in terms of like just making sure this is successful. Well, let's let's take this into um, the Infinity Stone rankings, where we're, we're ranking each movie, we're ranking the villains, we're ranking the post credit scenes. And we're going to start with the movies. And, you know, I think the consensus of phase one is uh, a lot of people w- would put Avengers right at the top um, or Iron Man right at the top. And really the debate would be between those two. Um but is Captain America the first Avenger like a stealthy contender for that, you know, top spot? And I so so I'm giving my score on a scale of zero to six infinity stones. Kevin is doing the same. We're asking the audience all along the way, if you're listening to this, you can send in your scores, super at postshowrecaps.com. We're averaging the listener scores as a third data point. And then between that data point, Kevin's score and my score gives us the official everything is super infinity score uh, for the given movie, villain, or post credit scene. And in this regard, I gave Iron Man a 5 out of 6, which I know you thought was real high. Uh, and I know it was, was, for some people, very high. But it was not far away from the average uh, of the listeners, which was a 4.7. 
But I largely gave it the five for historical quality, right? Like, you know, without Iron Man, the rest of everything doesn't happen. Uh, you know, Iron Man needs to work as well as it does for that movie to, to lead the way for the rest of, um, you know, for all these films that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. Um, so I, I don't back down from that five at all. What I'll say is I think that Captain America, the first adventure for my money is a better movie. I think it's a better movie than Iron Man. I don't think it's like it I is, don't think it's Josh. I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a drastically better movie than Iron Man, but I think it's a better movie than Iron Man. Where like I'm going to give Captain America: The First Avenger also a five. I'm giving it the exact same score as Iron Man, but where with Iron Man I couch it with historically this movie is important and it deserves that five. It gets like a bump up to that five. First Avenger is just like a flat out five out of six for me. It's a really, really great movie and it earns that score with no equivocations for me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a better movie, Josh. <laughs> five is crazy to give Iron Man. No, um, I, I, I agree with you. I, I gave it a, a pretty decent score. I didn't go full five um, because again, I, there's other movies I know that are going to be a little more successful in terms of narratives. I do think, like I said, that they are right. The movie um, loses a little bit of steam halfway through, but it's a powerful film with a lot of important stuff that resonated really well. Like I, you heard me talk about him about why I like that character and how they portrayed him. That that's important to me. That line of the Nazis invading their country first is so important and so relevant right now. It, it's great, um, but there are the faults. Right, that's all in the first half of the movie. Ultimately. It was weird. I was originally just going to be like, ah, 4.5 because I've been doing these 0.5 things. But something about that didn't sit right. So I gave a 4.6. <laughs> I gave it a little bit higher. Okay. Um, which I think is a fair score because also I'm really looking forward to, to watching Avengers, which I think is going to fix a lot of the complaints I've had about the structure of these past few films we're watching. But to me, of what we've watched, this is best out of the bunch by far. And I think it's it's a a full point six higher than I gave Iron Man, which was a force. And I think for me, this is this is on the money. Um, I could I could see the argument of ranking it the same as Iron Man, which you've done, so I won't I won't push back against that. Um, but yeah, for for me and where we're at, four point six I think is a fair score for this film. So the audience gives it a four point three as it stands. Uh, so they are lower than your point and my point. Um, some of the some some is you know. We've got some high scores here for for First Avengers, a bunch in the fives, a lot in the fours. I'm trying to see what the what the lowest score we got for First Avenger. I don't think we got a single one in the twos. Uh, so this nice. is uh, in the tooch. Uh, so this is at, at the very <laughs> least uh, an above average Marvel movie across the board from everybody. Um, these, it's a flexible document. You can send in your scores. You can revise your scores. But as it stands, between my five, your four point six, and the audience's four point three, Kevin. Maybe a little bit of a quiet upset right now that Captain America the First Avenger is the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movie through these five movies we've discussed according to the Everything is Super rankings. It's a 4.63 to Iron Man's 4.56 in second place, followed by Thor at 3.2, Iron Man 2 at 2.82, and The Incredible Hulk bringing up the rear 1.9. Any surprise there, or is that about what you expect? Um... I'm happily surprised. I, I definitely thought Iron Man was going to keep that top ranking, but I do think, for me, for my money, Captain America, The First Avenger is a better film. Um, so I am happily surprised that it actually hit number one so far. I don't think it's going to stay number one definitely next not. week. Absolutely not. But... Absolutely not. 
the great Professor Strunk had written in about this because Professor Strunk was surprised. Uh, Professor Strunk wrote in and said, this is the first time I've ever done a full rewatch of the MCU, and Captain America the First Avenger marks the first true upset of my preconceived notions. The consensus of the fan community seems to have calcified around Iron Man being the shining gem of Phase 1, and as someone who has absorbed a lot of MCU commentary over the years, I adopted this view as my own, but in rewatching Captain America the First Avenger, I have to express a maybe minority opinion. It beats Iron Man. Not only was it more fun, I also think it's a better constructed movie and it achieves more. For some reason, I always remembered it as that hammy war movie. But with the hindsight of Endgame and a few more years of adulthood, Captain America's positive qualities aren't hammy. I can appreciate them for the rarity that they are. And with those few more years of adulthood, Tony Stark's negative factors detract from the invincible veneer of coolness he maintained when I was a teenager. I really loved this movie and I'm surprised how much I did. Here's an argument for why we should all love Cap. He fully understands movie etiquette and is willing to defend the sanctity of the movie-going experience. To anyone who talks loudly in a movie theater, I join Cap in saying, shut up. <laughs> Preach, Professor yeah. Strunk. Preach. Preach indeed. I feel you. Uh, I agree with it. I think, you know, I think Thor is the guy you like when you're a teen. I think in your 20s, you're, you're all about that Tony Stark mentality. But once you hit a certain adulthood, you realize the importance of marrying a guy like Cap. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> villain rankings. I guess I skew high. I've got a 4.5 for the Red Skull. He's just iconic and Hugo <laughs> Weaving's amazing. And I, maybe I also just feel kind of bad because I have like firsthand witnessed insight into like how painful that was. The fact that he's as good as he is under all that nonsense. Impressive to me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. That does feel pretty high. Uh, but, you know, you, you've, you've consistently ranked higher than me, it feels like. But I, I, I gave him a 3.5. It reflects I our personalities, Kevin. I tried to see the bright side in life. Wow. Painful. Am I wrong? Um, <laughs> no, you're, you're not. I want to be Captain America, but... Um, <laughs> I do think, you know, he's a great villain. I loved a lot about what was done with him. And there was a lot of potential uh, that sadly didn't fully pay off. Whereas, like, with Loki, I think they paid off in spades. That's, you know, I gave him, I believe, a 4.5. Uh, I definitely I landed on a 3.5 for Red Skull, which I think is a fair assessment for, like, a really great setup of a villain that, unfortunately, has lost potential. Um, that I do hope comes back, though, because I think that potential can be unlocked. Um Better than what we've everyone else though. For by far, I think better than everyone else. Um, other than in, Loki. in terms of what we've seen. Yeah, other um, than Loki. A four point five from me, a three point five from Kevin, a three point five also from the listeners. So you guys are simpatico. Three point eight four for the Red Skull. A very easy second place in the villain rankings so far. The villain rankings as they stand, and we've uh, we're done with the minor villains. We're just ranking the principles. Um Loki at the top, 4.63. Red Skull in second, 3.84. Obadiah Stane and his box of scraps, 3.13 in third place. <laughs> Justin Hammer boogieing down in fourth place, 2.65. Ivan Vanko, he just wants his beard. Uh, I want my beard uh, in fifth place, 2.17. Emil Blonsky, you want that, need that sixth place, 1.6. And then General Ross. It's kind of like feeling very awkward in the rest of these villain rankings. Uh, bringing up the rear, <laughs> 1.44. Um, the post-credit rankings, Kevin. I don't think that this should take much time. This is the worst one no. so far easily. It's just a trailer for the Avengers. Yeah, that was actually... I totally forgot. Like I remember the punching scene with the punching bag. Cool, great scene, fantastic yeah. scene in the context of the Avengers. But it's literally just a scene from the Avengers... And then a trailer for the Avengers. And that was right. fun at the time because like, oh, man, we're so close. But like, it's just a trailer for the Avengers. 
it's a, it's a one for me, and it only gets the point because it was exciting at the time, but it's literally just a trailer for a movie. Yeah, I gave it a 1.5, and it is that 0.5 is just the excitement of just like, oh man, Avengers is next week. I'm excited for this. Yeah. Uh, and that's the only reason, but I think it was the weakest. It was just like, this thing you know is coming, it's coming. And we're like, yep. Listeners, <laughs> listeners like it more than us. They give it a three. Uh, so that is high. Yeah, I think it's high as well. But you and I are far away from them, and we're just two people, and they are many. Uh, we that's true. They uh, are legion. They are legion. Uh, no, that's a different show. Maybe we'll get there someday. Uh, <laughs> Iron Man and the Nick Fury cameo still the king of the ring, undefeated as it stands. Uh, Captain America bringing up the rear. Nothing changes. Um, we've been doing some informal rankings, Kevin. Uh, the final battle rankings. Where would you put Captain America, the first Avenger? I guess for me, it would like it would. Where does the final battle begin? I think that would be the big question. Does it start the second that Steve decides to motorcycle his way into Hydra HQ? That would be probably for me. That's the starting point. Um, because I think if yeah. you take it from there, it's really high up. If you take it from there, it's higher up. But I still don't think it's like a great uh, ultimate fight scene. Well, there battle. hasn't I mean, been you- one yet. You know, Thor That's had like a, it was a good emotional final battle, but it wasn't like you know a great final battle. Um, yeah. If you're just talking about Cap versus Red Skull, that's, you know, nothing happens, really. So I don't think that, like, I think you have to look at it as, like, Cap's going through the bomber. Uh, he, you know, he's leaving the bomber. He's going on the, the plane. He flies a plane back into the plane. Like, there's a lot of moving parts. There's the big epic romantic kiss with him and Peggy Carter. If that's all part of the final action sequence of the movie, which I would argue that it is in the same way that, like, all of that stuff at the end of Endgame is part of the final action scene... Um, then I would think that this is probably edging out Thor in the new number one spot. Uh, you've convinced me that this that, that, that this is better than uh, than I thought it was, but I don't think I'd edge it out of Thor. I'd probably put it in second place. I think there's a lot of great stuff. I think there's a lot of lot of really great, powerful stuff uh, in there. Um, a lot of great action. Uh, a lot of things that fit my my criteria about action set pieces um, based on you know your your very solid argument. But I do think Thor comes out just a little bit higher. For the emotional weight of it, um, I think if they had set up a Red Skull a little bit better, it probably could have hit harder. Um, but um, I, I would put it second place then. By that standard, I think you're right. I think it is a great set piece. I think it's a great action piece. But I still think it's a little bit below Thor. I opinion. have the power right now to like um, force my will on the situation. Right? It's in my in uh, my hands right now, or is it yours? I think it's mine. Okay, I let okay, you. Okay. I let you have a okay. thing. Um, um, well, so, so I'm on. so I'm pushing back. I think that this is. I think this is the best final battle of, of phase one so far. Ooh, man, Josh. I think it's better. <laughs> I think I think the whole final act of this movie is better than. Uh, You'll never see her again. Uh, okay, yeah, that part's pretty bad. <laughs> like if that's the big emotional moment of the final battle, uh, versus uh, you know Chris Evans and Haley Atwell uh, kissing. And and then Tommy Wiseau well, saying, even, oh, "I'm not going to kiss you." Yeah, I mean, for me, it's not even like that, right? The comparison would be the "You'll never see her again" versus like, um, you know, "Don't be late to our date." I think and that would that, is that would way be better. even. It would be like Loki uh, uh, dropping from the bridge, right? No, I guess it would be like Thor is hammering the bridge. He's making the sacrifice. Cap's making the sacrifice here. Yeah, if you one to one that, it's not even a contest. You're right. It's not. I, well, Josh, you're convincing me. I don't know how that's happening, but. Uh... You have the Ooh, power. You can force Thor to be in the number one spot, or uh, or you can I think, you can relent. 
I think I'll I think I'll relent this. Yeah, I think you've good, adequately yeah, convinced yeah. me that this is this oh, yeah. is the better final battle. Oh, that's great. Again, that is about to change. A lot is about to change. Look, okay, so let, let's talk about that. So next week, uh, obviously, the the number one movie is going to change. Uh, Avengers yeah. is going to be top. Uh, next week, Loki and the Avengers will probably be the top bad guy over Loki and Thor. Um, yep. I don't think that the the post credits ranking will will change in the top spot, but it'll be the new number two. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Although it's competitive with Nick Fury, I I do think it's Thanos. It you know, first sighting that's exciting. Um, final. I'm interested to discuss that out loud because it, it is interesting in a different context versus now versus then. I mean, we could just say it now. Like it's going to be the best final battle. You and I don't have to spend any time debating next week. Yeah, no. So that'll be that'll be good. Uh, cuts down on podcast time a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean the final battle, the the third act of Avengers it's is crazy. Is what made that movie what it yeah. is. <laughs> um, the Stan Lee stuff. So this is a bit of an indictment. I don't, I don't really off the top of my head remember the Stan Oof. Lee cameo from Avengers. He was in the USO tour. He or tour. Well, he thought he'd be tall. Well, I remember that in in this. I meant in Avengers. I don't. I don't remember. Oh, in Avengers. Uh, I, so I'll, I'll, I'm leaving myself open Good to question. the surprise. But I. Uh, so he's in the US tour. USO tour here in Captain America. I I blinked and I almost missed it. Yeah, it was it was as long as Thor. If if that uh, you know if that um, where he's just there when Cap is about to do his little song and literal song and dance. And he was just like, I thought he'd be taller, um, which I think is is a pretty solid reference point. Um, but is that it's not it's, better than the Hulk, where he's getting gamma radiated. It's not yeah. better than Thor, where he's breaking his car to move meow meow. Um, right. Is but it, I do is think it better it's, than being confused for Larry King and Hugh Hefner? Yes, okay. absolutely, sure. absolutely. I'll agree I to think that. solid middle ground on. That I'll agree. One, yeah. I'll agree to that. All right. <laughs> uh, so that'll do it for our our cap coverage. I love this movie. What a, like a, a top to bottom blast! I just think it's such a great ride. It's great. It's it's really great. And like I said, I mean, between you know the the dialogue and the writing is so fantastic in this movie. I love a lot of the lines. Stanley Tucci does such a good job. But they just really nail what this character is. I think in a way that is equal to tony stark i think tony stark they did a great job nailing who that character is right off the bat this does the same thing in that like you get exactly who captain america is um from watching this i think thor is still a little bit rocky and we probably won't really land on thor for a while but i do think um the way this character is portrayed really set the tone of what he is for the rest of this entire franchise um and obviously i uh it's great to see a superman as character like this i think i think it's really cool to, to to have someone that's so different from your usual uh heroes um so yeah it, it's and and just the action the shield him bouncing the shield off things um him with the commandos there's just so much in this movie that's like really fun and really just awesome looking and in a time period that i think is really fun to play around in all right kevin we've reached the point where all these heroes are going to collide, and the Avengers are going to assemble, and it's happening next week. We are hitting Marvel's The Avengers, written and directed by Joss Whedon. Remember that news broke on April Fool's Day. Uh, everyone thought it was fake. Everyone <laughs> thought it was fake news. It was real. It was happening. Um, and it was exciting, and still is. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this was, revisiting this. This was the one where you were at the edge of your seat being like, can they do it? Can they pull it that- off? It was. I, I remember so many people just like, "Oh God, this is it. This like, is you, it. This is you guys this is, got this, this? Is all the marbles. You got this. Yeah, this. 
this was the moment. And like, I, I'm excited to talk about it because like, especially in retrospect and looking at it, looking at these films right now, it wasn't even that they pulled it off is that they fixed a lot of the issues that we were complaining about from the previous films in terms of like the structure and the acts. Uh, and you know, it's not a perfect movie, but it's damn near close. Uh, you better damn well know we're going to avenge it. Um, which also, actually, since you mentioned the Avengers, something I didn't call out before we sign off, I gotta shout out Alan Silvestri for scoring this movie. Sure. He's the same. He's the same guy. And I heard it, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I looked it up, and yeah, it's it Alan Silvestri who scores the Avengers movies. Uh, scored um, the first Avenger, which you hear the notes, you hear the sounds, you hear the tunes, and not only that, Alan Silvestri scored one of my favorite movies ever of all time, uh, probably my top spot, which is uh, Back to the Future. Oh no way! So, I didn't know that. Yes, so I guess I just um, always assumed it was a John Williams. Dangerous no. assumption. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, someone's going to correct me now. Now I'm just like, oh my god, am I wrong? But uh, I'm pretty po- near positive. But like, you, th- we got to call out the score on this because it's so good. This is the this is the moments that we're feeling. I think the epicness that's going to come uh, from you know um, uh, the 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 Avengers films yeah. and that famous famous score. Um, yes, it looks like Alan Silvestri did a lot of my favorite movies: Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump. Yeah. So. Huzzah! Uh, Silvestri is, is loves great. that Zemeckis like, team up. He does, and I, Zemeckis is actually also one of my favorite directors. He's literally most of the movies. Very I famously, Kevin Mahadeo, big welcome to Marwin guy. <laughs> I do want to watch it. Zemeckis gets a pass, or I'm going to watch one of his movies. Yeah. Like he's he's phenomenal. Loves welcome um, to Marwin. Kevin does. Yeah, <laughs> Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, specifically mm-hmm. are in my I think top films of all time. Uh, yeah, Phoebe had asked us on on Twitter uh, uh, how we've made it this far into the rewatch and not talked about the score at all, and I responded there with my hot take, which I will I will unfold here as well as like maybe it's a hot take I don't know, but I I think like obviously I'm very high on these movies. I love the MCU. I think these are some of my you know these are some of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, as a series, it's one of my all-time favorite fr- franchises. I think pound for pound, one of the very best out there. I think like the scores are among the weaker components of these movies. Yeah, I think the scores for sure. Soundtracks are pretty solid, but soundtracks are this good. Is the, but like, only, this is really the only, the only, the only theme that I can conjure up off the top of my head is uh, is uh, of course the Avengers one. Yeah, but you see it start here, and I think that's where that's where I, I noticed it is that is that that score that we all love starts in this movie, and uh, I love that. The first Avenger obviously is the is the musical cue to signal the Avengers later on. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm 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 pumped. For all right, well we we'll be back next week. We're assembling the Avengers. Kevin and I are going to dig into all things Shatari, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> yes. R.I.P. Coulson, but not really. We've got a lot to talk about. Got a lot. As far as I'm concerned, Coulson died. I know. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. So we'll be back next week. Make sure you get your feedback into us. Super at postshowrecaps.com. You can also tweet our way. I'm at Round Howard. Kevin is at Kev Mahadeo. Uh, So send us your feedback. Those are the channels. Um, Make sure you're sending us your ratings too. That you should do through the feedback email. Super at postshowrecaps.com. Dot com, uh, but send us your scores for Avengers as a film, Loki and Avengers as a villain, plus the Avengers post credit scene. Uh, I mean, there's two. They, there is two. They're both very competitive. So I they're did, both I, very. You know, good. I, I think that they're going to go pretty high. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, they'll both be in the top three next week. Would be my bet. Um, so we'll be back next week, Kevin. What else do you have going on right now? 
Um, not too much at the moment. There's some projects I'm working on that I'm really excited about. Uh, there's something I tweeted about uh, like uh, two weeks ago or a week ago that I appreciate everyone giving the well wishes for. There's no news on that front, but essentially I got a chance to do something that I basically only dreamed of being able to do. Um, and we'll see if it works out. I'm glad that, you know, thanks for cross fingers and all that to everyone who follows me to, and get that shout out. Um, keep them crossed for now, guys. I, I appreciate it. Fingers are crossed. Uh, keep your... Uh, uncross your fingers just enough to wield your your mobile device so that you can subscribe to all the great things that we're doing on Post Your Recaps. Was that a reach? Was that like a, a, a Mr. Fantastic level reach of just like stretchiness of like trying to take uncrossed fingers to hyping up the fact that you should all be uh, subscribing to the Post Your Recaps feeds? Felt a little forced. Felt a little Felt forced. A little, uh, I didn't like yeah. it. I didn't like it. But I said <laughs> it, and I and the sentiment remains. We've got a lot going on. Not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch, the Lost rewatch, which has already been mentioned. Down the hatch, we're up to maternity leave. The Claire Littleton flashback episode of season two. Mike Bloom and I will be recording that on Thursday. Get your feedback in for that. Down the hatch at postyourrecaps.com. Killing Eve coverage here as well. We just wrapped our Westworld coverage. Uh, we have occasional Final Fantasy VII remake coverage still going on right now so plenty of things happening here on the poster recaps of the respective feeds so please give a subscribe to all of that we'll be back next week talking avengies until then take care everybody bye 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 <laughs>